remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Mark's gospel, the seventh chapter, beginning at verse 24. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Epetha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, he's done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Our children can be dismissed now to Children's Church. Come back later and we'll help you blow that out. <laughs> now tell the truth. Haven't you always wanted to blow the candles out yourself? <laughs> Let's be honest here. So where's the father? This woman, this mother, alone, begging for her daughter's life. Where's the father? And in us versus them world, she's them. She's Gentile, the wrong ethnic group. She's Syrophoenician, the wrong culture. She's female in a male-dominated world. And her child is female in a culture that didn't highly value female children. And yet here is this vulnerable woman begging because her child is everything. There is just so much missing in this narrative. 90% of communication is nonverbal. So we don't see the facial expression. We don't see the gestures. We don't get the tone of voice. There's so much of it that would help us understand this. Because let's be honest, this is a really ugly statement. Let the children be fed first, meaning the children of Israel, our kids, our people, get God's stuff first. 
for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. That's ugly. Is Jesus really calling her a dog? Is he really calling a a sick little girl a dog? What was his facial expression? What was the tone of his voice? What were those gestures? Who did he look at when he said it? I have some of my own thoughts on this, and you have to decide if you think it's fair. Previously in Mark's gospel, Jesus healed the daughter of the synagogue ruler, well-off and powerful man, healed his daughter. Then he heals a woman who's unclean and untouchable, and Jesus calls her daughter. And now here's somebody who's on the other side of this boundary of culture and place and origin, whatever boundaries we want to create, and she's begging for her daughter. And this ugly statement is made. I think that Jesus has had this statement said to him that it was a statement out of racial purity, out of a desire for religious purity, how when they crossed over to this other place, there are people around him reminding him not to throw the food to the dogs. Chapter 6 ends with healings, and chapter 7 starts with this new definition of what it means to be good and to be clean. And so when this comes, I think Jesus glances at those who've said these things to him. Because here's the real deal. It's one thing to say that in the, the safety of our own little group, but now you're confronted with a real, live person you said this about a real person and a real child. Now do you hear it for its ugliness? When I was growing up, the civil rights movement was taking off. But I paid little attention. All I wanted to do was finish supper and go out and play ball. My father would watch the news. I grew up in an all-white neighborhood, and I went to an all-white school, and I attended an all-white church having no idea about my all-white privileges. But my dad would watch the news, and occasionally I'd catch a glimpse of dogs and fire hoses. And I'd hear my father say, those people be okay if they just stay in their place. This from my first God. And then I went to college, and my roommate my freshman year was Daniel Wanjohi Kabithi, not African-American, African. Not growing up trying to shuffle and please and dodge clubbing, but black and proud. A man who spoke five languages fluently, a man who carried a heavier academic load than I did, and he was doing it in a foreign language. A man who could play soccer with all American basketball players and make them look silly. And he was unfailingly kind to me and funny. And I remember how often he said to me, Jim, you prejudiced. But my father said, you should stay in your place. Here, 
Jesus takes one of those kind of ugly, racist statements and says it out loud because here is a real woman with real need. And in that situation, it is exposed for its ugliness. And I wonder how she responded in fear, in desperation, anger. Did, did she get all mousy and say, oh, sir, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table? Or did she stiffen her spine and look him in the eye and fairly spit out the word, sir, even the dogs eat the children's crumbs? She's a warrior fighting for her daughter. Does God want us to talk like that? Talk back to the Holy One like that? Raw? Honest? Desperate? Angry? Over my career as a minister, there have been so many times when in the midst of a conversation, somebody has discovered that I am a minister, and it changes. (laughs) The smile becomes forced. You can see them mentally counting the swear words they have used. (laughs) They start using religious language that they have no idea what it means. The conversation becomes totally inauthentic. Here, her language is real. Her grief is palpable. Her desperation drips like sweat. And this raw brokenness is heard and affirmed, and there's healing. I wonder what the bystanders thought then. But there's another part to this, I think, too. Consistent in Mark's gospel is this evoking of the memory of Moses. And for his audience, Moses was the guy. He'd been their their liberator and their leader and their deliverer and their lawgiver. He'd shown them how to live apart from slavery. He brought them to freedom. And here in Mark's gospel, there's always this allusion to Moses. There's this... Jesus feeding the 5,000 in the wilderness, an allusion to Moses and manna from heaven. There's Jesus walking on the water, an allusion to Moses who parts the Red Sea and leads the people to deliverance. And here in our passage, there's this woman who talks back in raw honesty to the one who's the chosen one of God. And it's like the allusion to Moses who talks back on behalf of the people when God's mad at them. It's like saying, what's the best picture, the best image you have in your mind and heart of God? And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. It's not a comparative religion course that says ours is better than yours. It's that this is the fulfillment of the very best that we know. It's okay to talk honestly with God. God wants it, welcomes it. The text moves on, and it simply says that they, meaning more than one person, advocate for this man who is deaf and can't speak very well. 
And they beg on his behalf, much like the woman has begged on the behalf of her daughter. And in a very earthy fashion, Jesus touches him. And he says, be opened. Be opened. Be healed in such a way that you can receive communication from all that is around it. You can take in your world in a new way. Years ago, I had a, a friend at work who would discover that her young daughter, five or six years old, was only able to hear as if people were speaking underwater. And she was heartbroken when she discovered that, but she talked to the doctor, and they brought the little girl in and told her she really needed to have hearing aids, and she very strongly resisted that because she thought her friends might make fun of her. And her doctor, I love her forever for it. She said, do you think they'd make fun of me? Well, they wouldn't make fun of you. And so she pulled back her hair and showed her her hearing aids and convinced her to get the hearing aids. When the time came and they put the hearing aids in and they turned them on, the little girl was scared and nervous. She's drumming her fingers. And when they turned on those hearing aids, she said, what's that? Honey, that's you strumming your fingers. Oh. And my friend told me it was like that all afternoon. What's that? Uh, That's a plane. What's that? That's a siren. See, the ambulance. What's that? Uh, That's a bird singing. They sing? Yeah. What's that? That's music. And as much as my friend wanted her daughter to hear, to take in all the wonderful things all around her, so here is this one who says, be opened. I want you to take it all in. And then he touches the man's tongue, and the tongue is released. Oh, I can't imagine the frustration of not speaking. In my family, whenever we play Pictionary, nobody wants me on their team (laughs) because I can't draw a decent stick man that anybody would recognize. The frustration is fun for a moment or two, but you know it's going to end trying to communicate when you can't. Here is this one who wants us to hear and to speak who wants us to be heard when we do speak, who wants to hear us. And then amazingly, after the healing, he tells the man, don't tell anybody about this. Well, fat chance that's going to happen. This man just starts talking and blabbing. He can't seem to shut up no matter how many times Jesus tells him to stop. Mark's audience was wrestling with the suppression of their own faith and the persecution of their very lives. And here is this word, be opened. Keep receiving. Let your own lives bubble over. Tell your stories. There is a divine one, a sacred one, who hears you even when you cannot speak, even when it's all too much for words. There's a God who hears our cries when stuff happens that we do not want to have happen. When families shame us or desert us, when we're looked down on because of our skin color 
or because somebody attaches some epithet to us because of our nationality or that we're poor or that we're gay or when tragedy and trauma, even crime, breaks in, there is this God who listens to us in the rawest of moments. And we just may find that we survive all these things as we discover this one who wants us to keep receiving and keep speaking and telling our stories and maybe, maybe we'll find that there's life that just keeps bubbling over. Amen.